I did consider myself a leader before this, and I'm happy to step into this role. It certainly is larger than it was before, but I'm um, I'm wearing the title of fierce female leader fairly well. <laughs> hey, this is your host Debbie Weil. Welcome to Gap Year for Grownups, a podcast for those who believe in a timeout to reinvent your life, especially at 50 plus when you're figuring out what comes next, and for anybody being forced right now to reinvent yourself. Today, I talk with Genevieve McDonald, the main state representative for my district, but I could also call her Captain McDonald or Mama. In addition to completing her first term in the main state house, Genevieve is the mother of two-year-old twin daughters, She's a lobster fisherman in my town of Stonington, Maine, captain of her own boat, and she graduated from the University of Maine in 2019, summa cum laude, at the age of 37. So I knew there was something special about her. I've been following Genevieve closely on Facebook for the past several months, and I've been struck by her wise voice during this uncertain and challenging time. She's been steadily dispensing information to those out of work and others, answering questions about unemployment and health care, and often weighing in calmly on difficult issues, like the tension between people from away and those who live in this remote corner of Maine, and fears about how the coronavirus might get here. This podcast is about reinvention as much as gap years, and it's pretty clear that Genevieve has stepped into an unexpected role during this pandemic. She has reinvented herself as a voice and a leader for our coastal district and the many islands that are part of it. We talk about how she answers 100 emails, calls, and text messages a day, how she does this while taking care of two-year-old twins, She holds office hours between 1 and 3 p.m. when the twins are hopefully napping. The blurring of the lines between personal and professional, especially on social media, and the devastating impact of the pandemic on the local economy in rural Maine, both the fishing industry and tourism. I hope you enjoy this conversation about reinvention and leadership as much as I did. Let's jump right in. Genevieve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. I'm just going to dive in here. I just have had this intuition that I needed to talk to you about the topic of reinvention. And as it relates to your your role as a state representative for our district in Maine, because I've seen you all over Facebook and thought, wow, she's really had to step up in a way that maybe she didn't foresee. So how has that been for you? So it is a very interesting time to be a state representative for sure. So nobody expected a pandemic. These are unprecedented times and people have had to step up into leadership roles that were unexpected. As a state representative, you're certainly a leader, but this has provided new and different challenges like we've never seen before. So I came into this position, into leadership, into my role as an elected official from the commercial fishing industry. That is what informed my decision to run. I'm a commercial fisherman in a district that is representative of a significant portion of landings in the state of Maine and the offshore islands of Penobscot Bay. So marine resources are really sort of the heart and soul of my work. 
But when I came into office, my focus started to shift to public health, affordable health care, access to health care. So I was already working on issues that were more so on that topic. And then with the pandemic, it has really given me an opportunity to intertwine these two topics. So we have this big public health piece, but another important piece is our economy. And so trying to get people who are self-employed, who are from the commercial fishing industry, mainly in this district, access to federal relief programs, to pandemic unemployment assistance, to the Paycheck Protection Loan, to the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and to make sure that we can keep our self-employed small business owners afloat. So there's labor unions in the state of Maine and across the nation, and they do a fantastic job of representing workers. But self-employment is sort of this gray area where in the past we haven't been eligible to apply for unemployment or various state relief programs. And now that the CARES Act has opened up eligibility to people who are self-employed, it takes people like myself and the labor unions are doing so as well to sort of step in and advocate for this segment of the population that was never involved in these programs before. And the rollout has been rough. It's been rocky. It's been finicky. It's been difficult to get state computer systems to operate correctly. It's been difficult to intersect and merge state and federal programs and secure guidance and get that guidance out to the people who need it. And so this was the niche that I stepped into. Mm. What's your biggest challenge in clarifying and putting out, I know you're on Facebook a lot. I don't know what other venues you're using, but in explaining this to your constituency, what, what, how do you do that? And what's your biggest challenge? The biggest challenge absolutely has been communication, getting the federal delegation and members of state agencies to work together to get that guidance out to people. I've done a lot of the middleman work of making phone calls and bringing you know, a staffer from King's office into a conversation with somebody who works for the Maine Department of Labor. And then the next challenge is getting that information out to people. So I use social media a lot. Social media is very active in this district. It's geographically diverse where a lot of people are on islands. So a lot of people are on social media to communicate across, you know, across the water, across bridges. I also send out a weekly newsletter. I write a column for our local newspaper. I widely publicize and advertise my cell phone number, my email address. And so really any, I'm trying to put to work any method of communication that people can contact me by. Wow. And are they? Are you getting phone calls? Yes. And it is difficult to stay on top of it. I probably receive maybe 100 questions or concerns a day, and they don't <gasps> all come from within this district because social media is you know, statewide, district-wide, nationwide. And so concerns come in from every corner of the state. I do delegate a lot of people to their representative. We have different um, avenues of communication that we can work from our offices, but they work best if we're working for our own constituents. So I'm happy to connect people with their representative forward emails, give out phone numbers, you know, do whatever I can to make sure that people get the information they need. Mm. All right. And the elephant in the room that we haven't addressed is you're doing all this, I don't know, morning till midnight, and you have two twin, well, I call them babies, but little girls, are they, are they 18 months? Two? They're two. They just turned two the end of April. Uh, clue us in. How are you managing that? Whew, it's rocky. <laughs> That's kind of the, right? That's sort of the answer to everything is that you just make it work the best you can. And so we have a great outdoor play yard. I take phone calls while we're outside. My 
office hours are technically from 1 to 3 p.m. That's when they nap. As soon as they, my husband comes home from work, I do another shift. I tell people that they can reach me after four. And then as soon as they go to bed, that's when I do emails because I can send them at one in the morning. So I'm running on about five or six hours of sleep and trying to jam a lot of work into these small windows that I have throughout the day. And then making sure that I take, you know, a solid two or three hours every day to play outside with my kids, make dandelion crowns, play in the sandbox, make sure their needs are met. It is absolutely a challenge right now, not just for me, but for women across the nation that are trying to work from home while homeschool their kids, make sure their family's needs are met. Daycares are closed. Schools are closed. It is a really challenging balance right now. But, you know, it's it's interesting. You have stepped up and have been so visible, answering questions, reassuring people. And at the same time, because it's social media, I guess, posting adorable photos of your little girls. What about this blurring of personal and work? Because we're all under stay-at-home orders. But is that going to – what have you learned from that? Or is that going to continue or – there's something there that is very significant, I think. Uh, there is. And it, there, it's completely, lines are completely blurred at this point. It really just, because we're working from home, everything just runs into the next task. And I do try to set up, you know, sort of time periods to get things done, sort of schedule myself, not just for the kids, but also for my own mental health and well-being. I am going to take a couple hours this afternoon to go and paint the bottom of my boat and leave my phone at home and the messages that we'll just have to wait. I also try to get out information though about other avenues people can follow. So it's not just me, like providing the information for every state rep in Maine so that you can you know, know who else to contact you know, shortcuts to get through to the main career centers that are helping people unlock their accounts, um, you know, trying to provide other methods of communication for people too, and making that public on social media so you don't have to contact me to find out. Now, at the bottom of your boat, remind us, you're also a fishing captain. Yes. Uh, are you, I take it you're not fishing. Well, it is winter. Well, not exactly winter, but it's May in Maine. Right. What, what about that? Have you set that aside for a while or... No. Um, so I'm definitely going to go fishing. And this is where sort of the unprecedented times come in. So typically, the way that my life operates is that being a state representative and being a commercial fisherman dovetail, I fish from June through, you know, November most years. And then the legislature goes back into session in January and adjourns in either April or June, depending on if it's the first or second session. So while I certainly still attend meetings and, you know, address constituent concerns in the summer, all of that work is local here in the district. And so it's easy to do both. But right now, things are just merging. We don't know when this pandemic will be over. And we still have unfinished work in Augusta. So at some point when it's safe to do so, we still need to return to Augusta and finish the work that we left unfinished. So I am absolutely planning to go fishing. Holiday season opens on May 17th and I will be there for opening day. And some of that may be taking an hour on the phone and thank goodness we have cell service in Stonington now to answer some email emails and take some phone calls. But you know, having an office on the water is not a bad deal either. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks to technology, I can do it from anywhere. Um, but there is a lot of uncertainty facing the commercial fishing industry right now. We have some pending litigation 
about protecting the North Atlantic right whale. Our markets have essentially collapsed because restaurants and casinos and cruise lines are closed. So we're not sure what the lobster season is going to look like right now. But are you a halibut? Do you fish for halibut, not lobster? Did I catch that right? Both. I fish for both. Yeah. My husband has the halibut license and he runs the boat for halibut season. And then I have the lobster license and I run the boat for lobster season. So we both go for halibut. He does not lobster. He's a four minute Billings diesel and marine. Oh, and so halibut season, remind us, ends when and lobster season starts when? So they just changed halibut season this year. I think it is May 17th to June 18th, that end date might be off by a day or two. And then lobster season is really all year, but the time of the year that I fish is mostly from the end of June to the end of November. That's when lobsters come inshore to shed, and then they move back offshore in the winter. Hmm. I know there's been some controversies um, on the island here, on Deer Isle, uh, and on our peninsula, that you've jumped in and I felt moderated very sanely. Is that an unexpected thing you didn't necessarily foresee you'd have to do? And what, what is your approach to that? And why don't you explain what the, the controversy about, you know, people from away and um, how that worked here? Yes. So this has been a challenging issue. So when the pandemic first hit, people were very concerned about people from the cities and from these hot spots and more populated areas coming to Maine and bringing the virus with them. If I lived in a major city, if I lived in an urban area and I had a summer home in Maine, you could absolutely believe that I would pack up my family and I would come to Maine, not just to escape the virus, but also if you're going to be stuck at home, I'd want to be stuck at home in Maine where I could still go to the beach and I could go outside and I could take a walk and I could go to the grocery store without having to worry about running into hundreds or even thousands of other people. So there was some tension between local communities local rural communities with limited access to health care. So that was sort of, there were some social issues, but there was also this more factual issue in that if you are on an offshore island, you have very limited medical resources. And so if people do get sick, there's very limited resources to care for them. It may take an hour and a half to get someone to the hospital. There may be only one provider or even no provider on some of these islands. So it really presents a challenge. That tension has declined some, certainly, because now we are coming out the other side where it's almost our summer tourist season. So the governor has implemented this 14-day quarantine so that people arriving into Maine from out of state have to quarantine for 14 days, and that is going to have a negative impact on our tourist season. So now we're starting to look at this issue from the other side, which is if we don't have visitors in Maine in the summer, how will that impact our coastal economies? So we've really run the full gamut of this issue. And I have tried to maintain this sense of diplomacy and you know, sort of factual outlook on this situation the whole time and encourage people from both sides, or I don't even want to call them sides, but from sort of both demographics to look at each other's position. Mm. Well, I think you, you've done it in a way that was, was reassuring and comforting. But what about, what about the economic, I mean, I don't know if I can even use this word, but devastation here on in coastal Maine? Um, so devastation is an accurate word. A lot of our coastal communities depend heavily on tourism and on a very short summer season. That may be to a degree less true here in Deer Isle Stonington, where we have 
summer residents. We have people that come and that they live here for the entire summer and they certainly contribute to our economy. But then when you compare it to a place like Bar Harbor, where there are hundreds of businesses that are very dependent on the tourist season and summer people arriving. They stand to be greatly impacted. Acadia National Park still isn't open. When you look at Southern Maine, places like Old Orchard Beach or Kennebunk, they are really heavily dependent on summer visitors for their economics and their tourist season. And I am very hopeful that over the course of the next 30 days or 60 days, that we will put safety precautions in place, that people will follow them, that we will push back on the virus, you know, better than anticipated, we will be more successful than anticipated, and that we can eliminate the need for the 14-day quarantine. Of course, this doesn't depend just on Maine. I don't have the recent CDC figures in my head, but when you look at, you know, New York and Connecticut and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and the places that visitors arrive from, A lot of those cities on the eastern seaboard are still hot spots with tens of thousands of cases of COVID. And we won't want that happening here. So you really have sort of two things going on here. You know, if we're still seeing those really high COVID numbers, it's going to be devastating, not just for Maine, but also for the United States, because that means we still have people dying at an unprecedented rate. And we're not going to want that happening here in Maine. So many unknowns. Um, It does make it so difficult. When I look out a year from now, when hopefully we will have a vaccine, uh, but I still worry. I mean, will there be people here in this community and nearby who literally have no money, who can't buy groceries? I mean, I when I talk when I say economic devastation, I'm it's kind of what I'm thinking about. Am I just being is that too dramatic, or, or what? What do you worry about? Or maybe you don't worry. You sound very positive. I sound very positive, but I'm seeing that now. I am hearing from people now who have been out of work for eight or nine weeks. I mean, there are a lot of people in Maine and in the United States that live in these really thin paycheck to paycheck margins. And that is one of the reasons that I have been working so diligently to get people unemployment through pandemic unemployment assistance. I am hearing from single moms that were barely making it before that have literally no money coming in. And so we need to continue to do our absolute best to connect people with the relief programs that have been passed by Congress. There are additional packages. We need to continue to advocate for our constituents, for our citizens, with our congressional delegation to get more funding because we can't let these people have nothing. We have to have People have to be able to pay their rent. They have to be able to pay their mortgage. They have to be able to put food on the table and buy their kids clothes. It's not an option. We can't just let people linger and literally starve. And I don't think that's being too dramatic. I have spoken with people that are in really desperate need of help. And it pulls at my heartstrings. Absolutely. It has become more, and this is why I'm allowing my work and my home life and everything to sort of merge together, right? Because I I feel for these people. I've been one of these people. I mean, I am not independently wealthy or anything by any means myself. I'm on unemployment. I can absolutely relate. And that is why I've put so much effort into helping people get the resources they need. And to go back to that first question, if this is a sort of a, a reinvention for you. Does it feel like that? Do you feel like you've stepped up to a leadership position that you never imagined when you ran for office? 
It does because I never expected there to be a pandemic and I certainly didn't expect it to have this sort of great wide reaching impact. But I did consider myself a leader before this and I'm happy to step into this role. It certainly is larger than it was before, but I'm um, I'm wearing the title of fierce female leader fairly well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, I think you're an example and you're certainly an inspiration to me and to many others. Anything else I've forgotten? No, I think we covered it. <laughs> All right. Well, Genevieve, thank you so much for taking time out of nap time and office hours to talk. It's been delightful. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it and be well. That's a wrap for this episode of Gap Year for Grownups. If you're feeling inspired, you can leave a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. And if you've got ideas for future shows or topics, you can email me at thegapyearpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, however you want to reimagine your life, now is the moment. Don't wait. This is Debbie, your host. Till next time.